Welcome to Two Hags Converge in the Woods. My name is Shantae. My name is Ash. And today we're going to be talking about Legally Blonde. Oh, were we supposed to say that together? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to talk a, lot, uh, a little bit about why we chose this movie first. Um, so we kind of had this discussion already, but we wanted to talk about it because we think it still really holds up, even though it's been, God, what? Almost 20 years? Did it come, since when did it come out? It came out in 2001. July 2001. Oh, shit. It's been 19 years. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking almost two decades here, and it's still a movie that really has a lot of substance in modern day perspective, so... I mean, it has its problems, mm-hmm. but... Some, there's some good stuff to talk about. So um, we're also going to be talking a little bit about the musical in comparison. Not too much. It's not really the focus. Um, also, quick apology. We have all sorts of cats and dogs and people in this house. If children. you hear anything in the background. Um, so yeah, let's get started. Ashley? Okay. Um, so we wanted to start with the opening sequence because we think that it does something really interesting. As an audience, when you start the movie, you hear, like, super pop song. I don't remember the name of the song, unfortunately. It's, um... It's Perfect Day by someone. Nah, nah, you know. Yeah, that one. So, um, and then you get, you know, pink cursive letter writing and just a lot of girls. Your first impression is this, like, dumb, dumb blonde, yeah. you know, stupid girly girl, especially if coming out of the 90s. Yeah. It, there's the very, um, the not like other girl syndrome is very, it's very prevalent. Very prevalent. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, definitely when you first watch the movie, you think, oh God, this is going to be so ridiculous. But, uh, that's important because as we go further into the movie, it really starts to subvert a lot of it. I mean, yeah. as many people have said, in any other movie, Elle would have been the mean girl. Yeah, that's very true. She would have been that archetype. You know, very vapid, mm-hmm. very evil. <laughs> um, so the Elle that we get here at the opening scene is uh, very girly, obviously. Um, but at the same time, we get a dash of, of her intelligence already because we we realize that she's the president of the sorority. Um, And I know a lot of people have some misgivings about sororities, but I think there's something to be said about, you know, uh, the the position of leadership she's in and how beloved she is by everyone around her. Mm -hmm. Um, We also talked a little bit about the male gaze. Um, I don't really remember what we said about the male gaze. Well, at the beginning, um, we get, like, her getting herself ready. She's, like, brushing her hair. Oh, that's right. It starts off with her hair, doesn't it? Yeah. That's the first... I think that's the first shot we get of her. Without seeing her face, at least. And then there's also, um... Before that, there was scenes of just, like, girls walking and guys being like, Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. She's on the bike and all that. Yeah, so, uh... It, like... It very much is, like, trying to build up your expectations in a way. Yeah. But it's gonna be very... It's a chick flick. Yeah. That's what it's setting up. It's a chick flick. And I mean, it is that in a lot of ways, but it's also not that at all. In a good way. You know, chick flicks are not bad things, but, you know, they definitely tend to fall into a sort of formula that doesn't really... That's true. They usually... I mean, it does still kind of fall into the same formula. It does. Absolutely. But it's definitely... 
It definitely has its own flavor in comparison to a lot of those other movies. Yeah, I mean, substance is really what it has. Substance. Compared to a lot of other films that are easily forgettable because they all kind of mesh together. Yeah. They're all kind of following the same, you know, and... And so, I mean, I don't think those stories are bad, but they have their place, and when that's the only kind of story you get, it gets tiring. That's very true. And I mean, I think the thing about Legally Blonde is the fact that, like, you have this girl who's pretty, and she's smart, and she's... She's cool. She's Elle... She, yeah, I don't know. she's Elle Woods. She's Elle Woods. I don't really know how to describe her. She's just Elle Woods. She's a character completely unto herself. Um, and... Uh, also, I mean, comparing to the musical, I, I think we should all, we should start that. Um, there's something to be said about uh, the similarities and the differences between the two, especially in terms of the cast itself. So when we enter the Delta New House in the film, um, it's a lot of white women. Uh, you don't really see women of color. Um, you know, they all have the same body type. It's very... In the musical? In, in the movie. Oh, in the movie. That, in the movie. I was, oh, okay. Yeah. In the musical, we get a bit more diversity happening, a bit more inclusivity. Um, but I think there's also, in the musical, a bit of a problem because you get uh, a new character named Pilar, who is uh, the, the, only, the only black woman in the Delta News, uh, from what I remember, at least. And she doesn't really add anything, I guess. Like, she's not really a, a well-rounded character. Yeah. Um... She's, She's very just much kind of the, the token black character. Yeah, and uh, I think it's interesting to compare the two and how they're similar in that sense. There's definitely a lot of differences as we go forward. Um, so do we want to move on to the, the infamous scene with the dress? The half-loop uh, half stitch on China, China silk? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, what I think we timed it. It was like five minutes into the film. Oh, yeah, you almost immediately, you're seeing how, how smart she is and how much she knows, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and she's very, you know, most people would consider that kind of information to be useless. Useless. Like, why Why would I know that? I mean, yeah, I mean, a perfect example, actually, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're already seeing a demonstration of how, how smart she is. She's not a dumb blonde by any, in any means. She's, she's very <laughs> intelligent. It subverts your expectations almost immediately, and yeah. it almost calls out the audience for less. Exactly. Like, that lady that she's, you know, it's almost like that's a stand-in for the audience. Like, why yeah. would you immediately think she's dumb just because she's blonde? Exactly. And in a It, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the male gaze, because, you know, we very much see them as, at the very beginning, we see these women as objects. Mm -hmm. You know, we get shots of them in the bathroom in the opening sequence, and we're all party to just, like, making assumptions to them in the same way that so many other people are within the film. Mm -hmm. um, so it is very much calling the audience out and saying, hey, you know, you assume something, we're going to show you why your assumptions were incorrect. It's true. Um, and uh, is there anything else you want to say about the dress scene? Um, not really. Yeah. Um, I think there's also something to be said that, you know, when everything happens with Warner... They break up. Um, I think it's really important that we're shown that no one really supports her in her endeavor to get into Harvard. Yeah. Like, her parents are like, why would you want to do that? Her friends are, why would you want to do that? I mean, no one really understands why she would put herself through moving across the country to follow this dude. And in some ways, I understand it because it does sound really crazy. But then in other ways, it's really... 
admirable that she stands up for what she believes in and she feels like she's doing the right thing. Like, it's it's ridiculous that she's chasing a man like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's like, the fact that she's really putting her mind into this and, like, very serious about it, it's like, I don't know. And it's also, it's a good school, I guess. Yeah. Law is an admirable kind of career. So you would think that they would maybe even be a little supportive I mean, yeah. But I mean, it ultimately, it doesn't even come down to her chasing, being like crazy and chasing this dude. It's just like, they don't believe that she has the intelligence to be able to do that. Exactly. And I think that's what kind of like gets you at the beginning of the film. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's a big portion of why everyone thinks she's crazy. I mean, the um, the counselor that she talks to, you know, she, Elle makes this point of, I have the highest GPA in Delta Nu. And the, the guidance counselor says, yeah, in fashion merchandising with that exact tone. And it's very dismissive of her. And and, and the major. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that major. And she has a point. She has a high the highest GPA in the entire sorority. She's the president of the sorority. I mean, the fact that she passes with, we were just talking about this, yeah. with just a few months of studying. Yeah. Like, she passes the LSATs. I mean, that really does show... Um, what's it called? Her potential? Her, yeah, her potential. Her intelligence her that intelligence. she already has. I mean, uh, I looked it up, and the LSAT scoring, the average score, and this is probably for people who are pre-law, who are already preparing for this test, the average score is about 150. L gets 143 on a practice test. That's pretty freaking impressive for not knowing anything, really, about law. She has the potential to, to, to pass this test with flying colors, which she eventually does. She gets 179. 179, yes. And 175 in the musical? 175, yeah. I, uh, I don't know why they changed it, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I guess not. Um, I mean, that jump also between 143 and 179, that's impressive. That's so impressive that she managed to, uh, you know, uh, make it increase by over 30 points. I, I mean, that's only after a few months of study. And I mean, like, um, it's... It's 179 out of 180. Right. So she misses one. She misses maybe uh, a question. I don't know how it's how exactly it's scored, but I mean, she can't have missed more than a few questions. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, it, I don't know. It goes to show that she's really determined. She has a yeah. lot of drive. And it, like, it almost makes you, like, retrospectively, like, why did people doubt her? <laughs> yeah, it really does. I mean, it, it really... And it, this is something that's talked about a little bit more in the musical with uh, one of the final songs mm-hmm. um, where, you know, it really makes you realize that she's put up with people labeling her as a dumb blonde her whole life and never really delving beneath the surface. Or believing in her. Yeah, they, they just see blonde and pretty California girl and that's that's what she is in everyone's minds, mm-hmm. including the people that she's closest to. Um, which is really sad in a lot of ways, but I mean, it also, once again, it makes this character that much more admirable. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit about, about the admissions video and the male gaze? Oh my god. <laughs> There's a lot there. She's very much using that to her advantage. <laughs> yeah, she is. It's smart, once again. It's very smart, yeah. I mean, she uses her tool, like we were talking about this actually later on in the movie, she always uses her sexuality like as a tool because mm. that's what... That's she's been taught has exactly. worked bend and snap bend and snap exactly and i mean the shots as well during that admissions video you know she's in a bikini in the pool with Margot. her breasts are centered in a lot of the shots um and also important to talk about a lot of the the men on the board for harvard admissions uh-huh. are white men 
Um, and there's definitely something to be said about, you know, she knows who she's targeting. Exactly. And I mean, I, can you even blame her for that? You know, kind of not really because she's just taking advantage of what society tells her she's only good for, you know, it's true. But then also the same society punishes her because when she gets to Harvard, mm-hmm. all these people judge her on, she's wearing like a skin tight, you know, skirt yeah. and people are looking at her and thinking she's ridiculous. Or when she dresses up as the, um, the Playboy bunny. Yes, exactly. People think she's a joke. Yeah, they think, but it's like, but you guys, you guys punish her for what you want. It just, exactly. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Um... Uh, we also made some points, we, we referenced this multiple times when we were watching the film, about the, the cultural differences between the East and West Coast. So when she first gets there, she, it's definitely very different societally. And she gets put through the ringer quite a bit, um, not only from her professors, but uh, her peers. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people just consider her to be vapid. And um, there's almost this like immediate... It's, it's making her the villain immediately, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're, they're putting her... They're making assumptions and they're, they're labeling her the mean girl. Um, so we see these differences immediately, actually during the admissions video scene, where we have the board wearing, like, neutral colors, brown suits. And then, oh, and then you... It really stands out when she actually gets there and she's yes. the only person wearing pink. Yeah, and everyone else is, like... Has, like, you know, cream-colored sweaters on and, like slacks and then you hear you hear guys cat calling her in the background yeah um there's a actually i I looked up an article talking about the 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 differences in culture between the west and east coast so this one's specific between san francisco and boston but it makes a really good point talking about how the difference between the coasts is uh tradition and freedom so the east coast is very much built on this idea of tradition reputation social status um and the west coast it's a little bit more um individual based it's a little bit more based around freedom um you can be a nobody on the west coast and you can still find success while on the east coast it's more about who you know and who you're related to than it is about you know your talents as a person well i mean i guess that is kind of like Culturally speaking. Culturally, yeah. yeah. That is very much the idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 There's yeah. also a lot of comparisons between her and Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is also interesting because Marilyn Monroe also had the same exact problem. She was yeah. stereotyped as a dumb blonde despite yeah. being very incredibly smart. Yeah. She was very and talented. Noted. I don't remember her IQ, but her IQ was pretty high. And you'll see, if you look at photos, you can Google Marilyn Monroe reading books. She was an avid reader. Like, that was her thing to do. It's, I mean, this is not a podcast, yeah. but it is very frustrating how she is treated. Yeah. Um, even now, nowadays. Yeah, I yeah I agree. And there's definitely something to be said about how, Elle, where Elle is compared to Marilyn Monroe, uh, Vivian is compared to Jackie O, mm-hmm. um, Jackie Kennedy, and it sucks that there's this binary, mm-hmm. you know, where you're either one or you're the other. You're either you're the Marilyn or, the slut. or a Jackie. You're either the prude or the slut. And it's just like... The Veronica or the Betty. Ah, yeah, that's another good one. Um, it, it's frustrating. And I think this is why this movie has still remained so relevant is because this is still an issue that we are dealing with mm-hmm. where, you know, you have to be... You have to exist within the binary. 
you know, you, you have to be one or the other. And it's just, it's annoying. And that's what I think I like about the movie ending, especially with them becoming friends. Because yeah. it's like, at the end of the day, they're not the stereotypes that people put them into or exactly. the rules people put them into. They're just people. They're people. And they have, you know, nuances and, and they have different aspects to them. And they're never going to fit into any kind of box Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, this is what this movie does so well is the, the female relationships and the reasoning, you know, they don't just become friends out of nowhere. It's, it's very understandable how it happens. Yeah. Um, another thing that I, I thought was really interesting, and this is the scene where she's at Harvard and they're, they've broken off into groups. They're talking. Um, it's, uh, orientation. Everyone talks about their accomplishments. Yeah. Instead of themselves. And she's, she goes like, I'm a Virgo for something moon. And yes. like, and but it's like it seems ridiculous and vapid yeah especially how they frame it but like she's the only one talking about herself and that's the point of like the group to get to know each other know each other icebreaker but everyone's just like oh i did this and this they're just flexing you know everyone has their heads up their own asses really yeah and i guess that really shows the culture of those kinds of schools as well that kind of goes back to and uh the the article makes uh, a good point of saying it comes up this term cross regional interactions and uh the example they used i know a lot the example they used was <laughs> no, apparently no, no, no. no. What? what interactions cross regional interactions oh. yeah. so <laughs> they use the example in the article of um oh god what's his name the founder from facebook uh, but, uh the uh, mike mark no. <laughs> mark zuckerberg mark <laughs> I was Mike. gonna say Wahlberg. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who's Mike, who's Mike Wahlberg? He's the rapping guy. He's also an actor now. He used to be a rapper back in the late nineties, early two thousands. I know. No, I don't. I don't, I don't know where that name came from. I don't know why I know that name. He's not really relevant to me. <laughs> uh, so they use the term cross regional interactions, and the example they used is Mark Zuckerberg, uh, founder of Facebook, and how he went to a meeting in New York in like a sweatshirt and jeans. Um, and it's really interesting because we're seeing it happen on screen in this film. We're seeing cross-regional interactions happening between Elle and other people and how they're not really understanding each other. Wait, when was this that he did that? This was like a couple years ago. Oh, where's he from? He's from here in in California. Really? It's based in Silicon Valley. Oh, I don't want to claim him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I... Where he's from, like where he, what state he came from? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. His company's here in California, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope he's not from here. All right. Well, I don't think. He I don't is. want to be blamed for he's him. He's probably from the Midwest or something. Let's be real here. Um, he, he has seems, that vibe. He has, he that, has vibe. that vibe. I don't know. Um. <clears throat> uh. Ooh, Enid. I really want to talk about Enid a little bit. <laughs> And how her and Elle are framed as kind of opposites in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I I made a point earlier of saying how Enid was sort of like a representation of third wave feminism. Um, and how that scene, there's a scene where she's talking to Warner during Vivian's party. And she's like, uh, we want to change it from semester to Ovester. Wait, does she say that? She says that. Oh yeah! Now that article that we read. Oh sense. yeah, we read an article with uh, the right the original writer. The original and she, was, writer. she mentioned that story. Yeah, um, Amanda Brown, who wrote the Legally Blonde novel. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, she mentions that story happening to her at Stanford, and so it's really cool that she wrote it in with Enid. Um, 
And uh, I think there's a lot to be said about that. You know, there's so many other issues and it's interesting that Enid chooses to focus on... Very third wave feminism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very third wave. Um, so what, what, what wave are we, Shantae, again? Fourth wave. Yeah. <laughs> we are fourth wave. We are inclusive people of color, women of color, um, etc. And uh, so the first professor we meet is uh, Professor Stromwell, which is a, a woman. Um, she's not in the musical, unfortunately. I'm a little hurt by that. Uh, me I, too. I feel I like I really was, loved her. I really liked her character. Oh, yeah. She was also a good parallel to the uh, the bastard. You yes. Know. To, the... <laughs> to Callahan. Oh yeah, yeah. That's his name. That's his name. I really should. Yeah. Made, she wrote. She she made like a little. I made a cast list in the notes actually. Um, um. So the first one of the first things Professor Stromwell says, and I think this is so. So cool, especially rewatching it back and paying attention. She's, she says the, the law is reason free from passion. And this is almost a weird foreshadowing because we see by the end, Elle has definitely subverted this idea where, you know, she has taken passion and she's made it, you know, same right next to law. Well, I mean, it's almost, it's also funny because like law becomes her passion. Exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's layers. Yeah. There's layers. Um... And we also need to talk a little bit about Paulette, because Paulette is so important to the story. I think in a way that most people don't fully realize. Without her, I don't know if the, it would work, too. Yeah. Like, really thinking about it. Yeah. She's more important than Emmett. Interestingly, in the film, for sure. A hundred percent. In the musical, she definitely takes a backseat to Emmett, I would say. We'll talk about that later on down the line, <sighs> but Paulette is uh, definitely a, a parallel to L in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it's important that, that we, we give her a time in the spotlight. So one scene in particular, um, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but I call this the true turning point. And it's something that I didn't really realize the last, I don't know, 20, 40 times that I've watched this film. It's, it's when uh, they go to the trailer park, right? Correct. And they get the dog back? Yes. So in, in this scene... Um, this is, it, you, the scene prior, I should back up a little bit. Elle has gone to the party as the Playboy Bunny. Um, it didn't go well. Uh, Warner didn't take her seriously. And yeah. she decides, like, I'm going to change my ways and be a student now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my yeah, hardest. Yeah, that's true. And it's like the first turning point. But we described the, we've described the um, the dog part yeah. as being true point, turning point. The, the true turning point, yeah. Um, and I say this because... As opposed to uh, the initial, the, the the first turning point, which is really more about L, you know, trying to prove to everyone that you know I'm I can be taken seriously. I'm I'm taking this seriously. I'm taking myself seriously, and I'm gonna show all of you. She's doing it for other people. Whereas opposed to this true turning point, you she really starts to do things for herself after this because she realizes that studying the law can help her help people like exactly. Paulette exactly. So uh, it's her first real life example of using law to help the underdog, mm -hmm. using law to help someone that she cares about, who's her friend. Um, and it's her realizing that she can affect change for mm -hmm. good by just being a lawyer. So now it's not about proving to Warner that she's good enough to be his wife. It's proving to herself that she's good enough to be a lawyer. So, it, it, honestly, after this point, I think Warner becomes so irrelevant to the plot. He's, like, not even on her radar anymore. Vivian's more important than him at this point. Mm -hmm. um, because it's... Vivian's kind of almost, like, 
that person that re- that exemplifies every other person in her life who's told her you can't. Yeah. So she's trying to almost prove to Vivian in a lot of ways too. So it's it's interesting. I, I love this this turning point, and I had never realized it before. Mm-hmm. I I really love the dynamic she has with Vivian. I do too. Honest. Yeah. And uh, this is also, this scene really shows how important Paulette is. Mm-hmm. And how Paulette is also, she's not empowered by Elle because you empower yourself. Other people don't empower you. But Elle gives her the tools to empower herself. To empower herself. Um, and it's something With the bend that, and snap. Exactly. I love that scene. That is such a good scene. Ah, uh, we need, I, can we, can it, either of us do the I'm taking the dog dumbass line the way she does it? No. No. <laughs> God, that uh, the actress who plays her. What's her name? Uh, her name is Jennifer Cool Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge. She's iconic. She is. I love her in the second one too. We should watch that one. We really should. Yeah. Um. So the first indication that I got that this was the true turning point was the case against Warner that she has in the scene right after. So this in this uh, case, Warner is making an argument about how sperm donor has a right to his uh, child that he helped create. And then Elle is just like, but why this sperm? Yeah, why now? Why this sperm? And I mean, she has a point. She does. And she wins. Callahan says, you just won your case. And it's really important because we're now seeing how unimportant Warner is becoming. Like, she doesn't give a shit about him anymore. She's just like, whatever, man. It's, it really is. It's funny, though, because, like, up until, like, the very end of the movie, he still thinks that she's doing all this for him. Exactly. You know? Yes. Oh, that poor fool. And he becomes a model at the end. He should have just been a model. No, that's in the musical. Life. No, that's in the... the no, uh, not in the film. In the film, he graduates with them, but he doesn't have any job offers. So he becomes a model. They said it... Oh, they, yeah, it's you're in right. the cards. You're right. You're right. But he graduated. In the musical, he didn't graduate. He dropped out, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and then there's Emmett. And then there's Emmett. I, we've gone this far without talking about him. It's really impressive, actually. Um, it, I mean, it's because, especially in the movie, he's not as important. Yeah. He's almost, I don't know. It's just He's, he's almost, a cool sideline. He's a cool sideline. He's a co- cool side story where, you know, it's a little bit of romance injected. But, I mean, that's not the whole point, you know? Yeah. That's not the, the plot. It's not really. the plot. Um, Oh, and, and it's, it's not like he's the ultimate reward either. It's true. It's just kind of like, it's something that happens. It's a, like a B-plot. Yeah, and I, I like that, because that's real life. You know, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, and also, in the musical, it's a bit different, because he's much is. more involved in helping her. Oh, yeah. And you know, I love, I love that, but yeah. also I don't like it. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that was my one thing about... Um, the relationship with Emmett is that in a lot of ways, a lot of the other relationships she had in the film, especially with Paulette, mm-hmm. it, Paulette's relationship with and with Elle really takes a backseat because they're really more focused on Emmett. Yeah. And uh, we get why they did it. We talked a little bit about it. You know, it's understandable. It's a musical. It's a musical. kind of like what people expect. Exactly. But it's like, I guess it's just kind of unfortunate because it also, I don't know, it just, it's sad that like... Like, the professor got removed? Yeah. And stuff? I don't know. No, I, I get it. Um, another thing I, I had down about Emmett, though, is that Emmett um, is one of the only people within the film that doesn't ever consider her a joke. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He always... He always takes her seriously. He does. And Even he always... when she doesn't take herself seriously. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I think there's a lot to be said about the type of person he is. He doesn't see her as a joke. He takes her seriously from the get-go. And it's really easy to see how that relationship blossoms, you know. Even though it's not the, the focus, mm-hmm. it's really easy to understand why they ended up together. Yeah. Because... Like, you don't need that much time. They have a lot of chemistry already. They do. They, and they have a lot. I feel like in the musical, that's kind of expanded upon. Yeah. And him seeing himself and her. Yeah. Ah, yes, in the musical. Like, they were, they're laughing at you how they laughed at me or whatever. What yeah, in the uh, chip on, a, chip on uh, my shoulder. Chip, that, chip on my shoulder. That's what it is, yeah. Um, it really, it really emphasizes that he sees her as a person and not an object, as opposed to pretty much every other person, mm-hmm. or every other man especially. Um, I'm trying to find that note, actually, that I had on that, because I did make a note. <laughs> So chip on my shoulder. So that, it does a couple of things. It not only solidifies their relationship in the musical, but it also does something that the movie didn't do. Mm-hmm. And that is talk a little bit more, or make, make implications, I guess, on how socioeconomic status can make your life harder, easier. And he also brings to light the fact that Elle has a lot of privilege. Yeah. Because she's, she's a rich, white, Californian girl, mm-hmm. you know? And he was a you know, what, low income, I would say, single, single mother in the household, no uh-huh. father, and he had to fight and climb his way up into this world, mm-hmm. and Elle was just kind of given it. Not given it. I mean, but, she worked for it too, but I mean, there's a difference. Yeah, you know? like, her worry was, I need to get Warner, it wasn't about, how am I going to afford this? Mm-hmm. So, you know, difference in I struggle. I mean, yeah, there's a difference in struggle, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like that's something that the movie doesn't really touch on, her privilege. Her privilege. And she has a lot of privilege. I mean, and that doesn't take away from her accomplishments, right? Because I feel a lot of people think that way, yeah. But it doesn't. It's just it's it's something. It's unavoidable. It's something yeah. you can't control. She yeah. has privilege, absolutely. And in the in the musical, at least, you see her gain an understanding of her privilege. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it's not really the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I, I think yeah. that also relates to the time too. Yeah, I would agree. Two thousand one. I mean, it's not really. I mean, the musical was made in like what two thousand nine, two thousand ten, two thousand nine. Around there. And I feel like by that point, there was a little bit more talk of that sort of thing. Yeah. That's very, very true. Um, now, going forward um, with um, her starting to, to really try to integrate into this world in the East Coast, we see her start to, you know, hide her hair in braids and a hat uh, wearing all black. Muted colors. Really muted colors. I mean, she still looks cute. She has like a scarf on her briefcase. Her hair is down. Uh, she's very feminine looking, but definitely she has like dimmed her light a little bit yeah. in order to in, fit in. In order to fit in. Yeah. And it's like, that's I think what makes the ending so impactful of her walking in with, with that all pink suit. All pink, you know, uh, sequins on her belt and like, ah, so good. So good. I don't even like pink, but God, such a good one. I like pink. <laughs> we do. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about Brooke because she's a she's another parallel. There's a lot of parallels to Elle. And also something we had said is that she tends to have instant um, friendships with she her parallels. Does. She because does. Because there's an understanding of we we are the same. We're we're it's almost like a team. Like yeah. we're a team. We're gonna help each other. It's very much the case with Paulette. It's very much the case with Brooke. Um, there's an instant relationship and an instant friendship. Um, and Brooke. 
immediately trusts her in a way that we, you know, she didn't trust. She anyone didn't else. trust anyone else. And also because like they're both part of the same sorority. And in the movie, not the musical. In the movie, they mentioned the fact that she took a few classes with, with her. her. That's right. That's so. Right. There's also like they're not friends, but they might recognize each other, or she might recognize L. Yeah. Um. As a. As a peer in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, jumping off of that a little bit and talking a little bit more about, you know, female friendships and female dynamics, um, the salon is such an important space. Uh, so this is uh, right when they're doing the bend and sta- snap. If you pay attention in the background, looking at the ensemble, the extras there, you'll see that the salon is really a safe sp- space for all ages, genders, sexualities, ethnicities, um, it is weird, because that's, like, there's not a lot of diversity within the movie itself, yeah. but that salon, that salon scene is, like, all in. Yeah, it's 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 really bright, too, the lighting, mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the scenes that are set on the East Coast. The salon is always very bright, it's very colorful, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see how this is almost, like, uh, like a, a weird, alternate kind of space that doesn't really exist within the a liminal East Coast. space. A liminal space, that's the word. It's it's cool to see this bright spot. And especially with Bend and Snap, it's such a filler song in a lot of ways, but it's one of the funnest most fun scenes in the entire movie. Um, and in the musical. And in the musical especially. Oh my god, in the musical. Um and it really shows how women can empower themselves using their sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, and how it's not a bad thing. Yeah, how know? it's not a bad thing, and this goes back to kind of subverting, you know, feminine ideals of, of you know, like it's it's showing you that this isn't something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. This is something actually to be proud of, and this is something and to I mean, that feels into why Elle is such an iconic character. Yeah, she never shies away from her femininity. Never, and yeah. it's never treated like it's a bad thing. Yeah. And that's refreshing. It is. Especially from that, coming from that time period. Coming from that time period. And I mean, we see a woman who definitely tries to shy away from femininity in Vivian. Mm-hmm. You know, she has kind of a short haircut. Um, she doesn't have a whole lot of makeup on. She kind of wears frumpy, dowdy kind of clothes. She's trying to hide herself mm-hmm. almost. Because the law, even now, is very much a male-driven field. So. And you know what I like about that, too? I she doesn't really like necessarily change herself, yeah, uh, in her appearance wise by the end of the movie, yeah. But like her attitude, changes. her attitude, is and different. I think that's what's important. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not that the kind of look she has is bad either. Exactly. It's just the way she treats other women for being different from her. That's bad. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, and I think a big turning point for Vivian, especially you know, in, in her friendship with Elle we start to really see her reactions to Warner himself. So there's a scene where, you know, Elle is supposed to give up the alibi. And Warner says, you know, think about yourself. You know, don't worry about Brooke. Think about yourself. And then Vivian just looks at him like, what the fuck did you just say? Exactly. She looks at him with so much, so much disgust. Yeah. In her eyes. And on her face. The thing too that's interesting is that she's not necessarily like disagreeing about giving up the alibi either. But just the way he says it. Yes. Like, he doesn't care at all about Brooke or her feelings or how this might affect her. It's just, you know? Yeah. How are you going to get ahead? Yeah. Do how- what you have to do. And, yeah. I don't know. I, everyone else's yeah. reasoning, too, like... Stop, Gracie. <laughs> well, everyone else's reasoning has more to do with this will save Brooke from going to jail. Right. 
And this is like him saying, oh, well, like, you can get a job with Callahan if you help him with the alibi. So who gives a shit? Yeah, who cares about Brooke? Um, and, I mean, to compare him to Emmett, and this is a direct quote from Emmett from the film, um, and it really goes back to what we were saying earlier. He says, being blonde is a powerful thing, you know. You hold more cards than you think you do. I would personally like to see you take that power and channel it towards the greater good. Is that right before the dog scene? Yeah, I think it is. No, wait. Or is it after? It's no. after. It's after. It's after the dog scene. But at this point, um, Elle is still very much trying to fit in. Yeah. Um, and it, it's cool to see Emmett, especially, you know, with so many of the male characters just being like... Garbage. Garbage. It's great to see Emmett saying, you know... You don't have to change yourself. If anything, exactly. like, use it somehow to get ahead and to do good in this world. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's her learning the language of this world, but oh. at the same time, not really letting it change her. Which, yeah, I think that's, yeah. It's fair. Also, the fact that, like, her and Vivian have, like, this whole competition thing. Oh, God. It and goes then, back to Marilyn and, and Jackie. And Mar- yeah, right there. We're back to that. But yeah. it's, I like how by the end of it, it's like competition between women is stupid. It really is. There's, it, it's that realization and the friendship starts to, it's like, there's no need to compete, you yeah. know? And I think Warner definitely helped her understand. Realistic. I mean, cause who knows what Warner told her about Elle, you know? Yeah. Cause at this point she, you know, the very first moment they meet, they don't know each other. Yeah. So who knows what Emmett has told her and who and knows, Warner. you know, who knows what Vivian's realized over the course of, you know, working with Elle. So, you know, there's a realization that happens and she starts to put aside a lot of her assumptions that she'd made on about Elle. Mm-hmm. That's, and true, that's true. The binary kind of slowly starts to dissipate because these two women that were set to compete are realizing we can be friends. We don't have to be at each other's throat. Yeah. It's it's society that's pitting us against it, each other. Exactly. Patriarchy. 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 But um can we talk about Stromwell? Yes, please. I really like how Stromwell at the end of the movie is the reason Elle gives it another go. Because yeah. it's something we realized at the very end in that scene that, like, she's also blonde. You know? Yeah. She is, in some ways, another parallel, but you didn't even realize it. Didn't realize she was a parallel. And it makes you wonder, like, some of her intention in that earlier scene where she got kicked out. Of, was like, to, like, put a fire under her. Yeah, and it was just to, like, push her, you know? Yeah. And then she's also the one pushing her at the end, like, if you're going to let a man, you yeah, know, ruin your life, you're not the person I thought you were, Elle Woods. Yeah, I mean, it's... It shows that she had a great deal of respect for Elle, too. From the very beginning. Yeah. Oh, man. I really like Stromwell. I don't know. I like, she's too. not in the movie a lot. But, yeah. Her, but her scenes that she does have, it just, I like them. No, I do too. And and uh, the end scene, you know, she's the one who introduces her as valedictorian. It's almost a full circle moment. Yeah. She's the first professor we meet, and then she's... And also the one who kicked her out. She's the and, one but here she out. is giving her her diploma, you know? Yeah, I love that. Oh, man. I'm really sad they got rid of her in the musical. I get why. I get it, Because yeah. uh, that role was very much given to Vivian in some ways. Yeah. But I love Stromwell. She's very much too. a female mentor, you know? She's almost like a, a mother figure as well. Yes. In the same way that Paulette is a sort of mother figure to Elle. Yeah. Um, and this goes right back to the female relationships aspect of the movie. And it's so good. I mean, do we want to talk about the writers? 
Yeah, honestly, I think the writers are important. So the writers of the screenplay for the film are, um, let's see, where are they? Karen, Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith. Um, and these two women have been writing films together for, I think, over 20 years at this point. And we were watching a video interview with them, and they, um, they're very close. They're, they're very... I, I can tell they're the ones who wrote Legally Blonde and House Bunny and what else? Ten Things I Hate About You, both the, the film and the TV show. They wrote The Ugly Truth. Uh, they're currently working on the screenplay for Legally Blonde 3. Mm-hmm. Um, they wrote also Ella Enchanted, She's the Man. I mean, they, they have a lot of credit to them. And you can kind of see the linear of how these movies were, were created. and They make sense together in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And... I feel like that's maybe another part of the reason why Legally Blonde has such a focus on these female relationships. Yeah. Because they themselves are in a female relationship. Yeah. They're friends. They're best friends. And yeah, the video we were watching of them working together, they, they, they always write together. They don't write separately. So they bounce ideas off each other. Um, and I don't know if they always write together. They, that's what they said. They always write together. Do really? Yeah, they said I that, that they, they, they had tried to write separately, but then they'd come back together and then they'd start arguing about things. So they said from that point on, we decided we're only going to write together. Oh, when they do do projects yeah. together, they yeah, it's they, very collaborative. Yeah, very much so. And I think it's important that it's two women writing these screenplays. That's true because, like, I don't know. If this had been done by, like, a, a couple of dudes, I don't think it would have shown through and been as relevant, you know? Yeah. I mean, Elle would have been a stereotype if it had been yeah. two male writers, you know? Um, and I think two female writers really giving a platform to female relationships mm-hmm. and the different kinds of female relationships, I think it really has given this movie a lot of substance. And I think that was my big issue, and it's, it's the big issue I have with the musical, the female relationships take a backseat in a lot of ways to her romantic relationship with Emmett. Yeah. And I think that's why the musical doesn't have the same impact. It's, we, we were also talking about this, but um, there's very much a lot of moments in the musical that we like, that yeah. really stand out, like proposing to Emmett. Oh, love that part. And stuff, but there's a lot of other moments in between where it's just like, it's very, it lacks the substance that the movie mm-hmm. did. Yeah, it, it lacks a lot of... And Elle, in some ways, is kind of more of a stereotype in the musical. No, I agree. She's quirky. Yeah. She's cute. To be honest, though, that's kind of like the 2010 flavor, though. That is very true. Zoe Deschanel was big during that time period. Yeah, yeah. Quirky girls and shit like that was very... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure I like that. (laughs) I don't think I like that either, honestly. I think the movie's obviously superior. We still love the musical, but... The, the movie is definitely... The musical has great scenes. Um, so Much Better is one of my favorite power anthems, I think, in any musical yeah, ever. I also like um, the the sad song she has at the end. The, I don't remember the name the of it. Back to yeah, the Sun? That like one. That. Let me... I can, I can look it up, actually, because... You can't I, play it. I can't play it, but I can look up the song title. But I like that song. It really... You had said, I think, that it really... Um, it pulls together what she's feeling at the end mm-hmm. because she felt that Callahan believed in her. And then to have him reduce her back to the dumb blonde archetype, it makes her 
it really ruins her own identity of herself. Yeah, because, like, at this point, she's worked so hard to get where she is. And she's, like, put herself out there. She's done things she never thought she would. And to have it be ruined by, like, it's like, oh, you only chose me because you wanted to sleep with me. Exactly. My accomplishments didn't matter. They're not valid. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's it's heartbreaking. It is. Ah. It is Legally Blonde. Is it? Yeah, because then there's the no. remix. Yeah, there's the remix. It's at the end. This is it. It's Legally Blonde. It is. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah because she's just like, I'll be Legally Blonde. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So the song that we were thinking of earlier uh, that she sang at the, at the towards the end of the musical is Legally Blonde, where she's talking about how, you know, some girls are just made to smile. You know, it's she's forcing herself back into, into this... Role role of the dumb blonde because of i can't do anything other than just be pretty exactly and that's how callahan made her feel and i feel like in the movie we don't get how invested she was in the same way and i feel like there's something that the musical does well because of the songs Mm -hmm. that you can really get an insight more into what she's feeling her emotions yeah i agree something musicals just do better in general to be honest now what i found interesting about the musical as well is that the one who confronts her for being a whore, a slut, by, you know, sleeping with Callahan, is Warner, Warner, not Vivian. Yeah, I think that's interesting, too. I kind of liked that change, personally, Mm -hmm. because Vivian was almost like, Warner, shut up. Yeah. Because she understood the plight, you know? She gets it. And I think that's the first time she really sees Elle as a person. Yeah. As a a fellow Mm -hmm. human. As a fellow human. (laughs) With humanity. Yeah. Um, In the film, Vivian reverts back to herself at the beginning where she allows her assumptions and prejudice to completely overtake her judgment exactly and And in some ways i feel like that's more realistic though you know yeah that's true because that because you don't just like become a good person overnight that's true yeah she you very much would revert to that immediately upon seeing something like that i think that's very human i agree but i i kind of you know i like the change that they did in the musical i with with the film, I do like that we see Warner. Oh, I'm sorry. We see Emmett um, tell her, you know, you don't know what you're talking about uh, in regards to what happened with him. Oh yeah, he believes her immediately. L. Yeah, he's like, he's concerned. He's concerned. Yeah, and I. That's also a rarity. Yeah, <laughs> especially in real life. That moment though, where Vivian realizes that her assumptions have ruined the friendship. Uh huh. I mean, it's great to see that moment. An emerging friendship. It's great to see that moment, though, because she realizes what she did. Yeah. And she realizes that, once again, her prejudice and assumptions have really hurt another person, and they haven't helped her in the long run. Yeah. How does that conclude again? Does she she apologize? I don't think we see the apology, but I think it's implied because they they become best friends. Yeah. Um, in the musical, we definitely see it because Stromwell, because she's not a character in the musical, Vivian is the one who convinces her to stay. Um, and she bust into the salon. Yeah, it, it, it's it's so interesting because this whole time their dynamic was competing over Warner, and in this moment in the fi- in the musical, um, she chose instead her friendship with Elle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great that it's a woman that L has made a difference with, you know, in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives Elle the confidence to return. It gives Elle the confidence <laughs> to return. 
um, and, you know, come back as herself, essentially. It's the first time you really see her fully back to herself. Yeah. In the next scene where she enters the courtroom. Hey, is Vivian in the second movie? I don't think she is, actually. You know, I don't even know if she's referenced. She probably is referenced. I don't remember. Huh. I hope um, she... There's gonna make a third one, right? Yeah, they are. Hopefully. Yeah. It's in pre-production right now. In pre-production. Um, I hope that if they do, she's in that third one for sure and part of it. Yeah. I like Vivian. I like their friendship that they have. Selma Blair isn't doing very good, though. She's the one who plays Vivian. Really? She has uh, MS, so she's not doing great. What's MS? MS is where... Um, it's like... I think it's like constant chronic pain. Oh, that yeah. sucks. And I think it's hard for her to walk. Oh. Yeah. So Wait, I is don't... that why she wasn't in the oh. second one, maybe? No, I think that's a recent it's a recent thing. That sucks. It's what stopped her from, from acting though recently. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um so I mean who knows though. We we may see her. It'd be wonderful to see Vivian again. Um even just in Yeah. Like cameo. So uh, the shots where she comes in in her full glory, full on pink. Full on L. Um, and then, of course, um, what wins her the case is the fact that she she knows a lot about fashion and hair and makeup and exactly. shit like that. Exactly. So it's just like the thing that everyone was making fun of her for the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's what saves the case. Yeah. And when we get a, an instance of this with, you know, figuring out that the guy on the stand saying that him and, and Brooke had an affair, yeah. she was the one who realized he was gay. and and so we we see this happen already and then in this this last scene um it's really great to see her succeed not in spite of her femininity but because of it she uses the intelligence she has which we always love films like that yeah i love that i mean there's so many good examples of that happening i really i'm really i really hate when they're like you have to not be feminine in order to succeed i hate that message so much i hate it too i think it's patriarchy you know um, so another really important thing is the shot itself of her entering the courtroom. It starts at her feet and then it goes up. And it's it very seems... male gazy. Yeah. But then it focuses in on her face. Yep. And I, I think that's such an important shot and it really gives more weight to the whole scene itself. Um, and so uh, one thing we had mentioned, and this is something that I had mentioned with the musical and what I disliked, um, it felt at first watch, it feels almost like um Emmett the 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 romance with Emmett's more prominent a good point you made though is that Emmett's not the reason she stays in the musical oh yeah she stays because she feels she has an obligation for her friend she has an obligation to herself to prove that she can do this yeah I mean in any I think any other romance story like that yeah it would have been the one rushing, like you said it running to the airport to stop her yeah but instead it's Vivian busting into the the hair salon yeah. this place of hype of a bunch of femininity whatever yeah. whatever you said and she's like bitch let's go let's do this car. get in the car loser so we're gonna go solve a <laughs> court case <laughs> we're gonna go dismantle the patriarchy <laughs> um yeah, so I, I think that's kind of one argument against the whole, you know, the whole focus is on Emmett and the musical. I feel like throughout the musical, there is more focus on Emmett. Yeah. But that last scene with Vivian, I think kind of like, it saves it. You yeah, know? it does in a lot of ways. Because if it had been Emmett, I would have been pissed. Like, I love Emmett. You know, he's the real one. Yeah. He's my boy. But like, I, 
it's he's not necessarily the point of the story. It's exactly. about Elle and about her Elle. journey. Exactly. And her friends that she makes along the way. The real treasure. And what's wonderful is we even get friends from her past. So this is another thing I really liked about the movie uh, after this rewatch of really like delving into it. The movie or the musical? The movie. Okay. The movie. Uh, Margot and Serena come to the trial to support her. And I think it's so wonderful that these friends that we really haven't seen much of in, for most of the film mm -hmm. are still so prevalent in her life and came all this way to come sit on a trial uh -huh. to support her. Especially Elle. how, like, I guess how initially unsupportive they were. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, this is really where we get a full circle moment happening with a lot of the relationships she has, not only with Vivian... Paulette, of course, who shows up as well with Kyle, her delivery man. Mm -hmm. um, Margot and Serena showing up. But also Emmett. Um, she's really hesitant when she starts questioning. Mm -hmm. She's really unsure of herself. She came in confident, but now she's realizing... Oh, shit, you know? You know, I, I have this... I have a friend who here is going to spend life in prison unless I do something. And Emmett is the one who reinforces his belief in her, which in turn reinforces her belief in herself. I mean, we, we said it that he basically put his job on the line, you know? Yeah. Like, he's fired from Callahan, for sure. Oh, yeah. And, 100%. like, he, he, he gave up all that just because he believes in her, that she can do this. Exactly. And it's like, bro, mm -hmm. her, yeah. his faith in her is rock solid. It's 100%. And, and <clears throat> once again, I think this is something this movie does so well, is that the relationship between her and Emmett, it's not the cornerstone of the movie it's not the foundation but it's so it's important yeah. and it's like it's like the extra flavor on top you know exactly it's wonderful that she gets going from warner who is just a trash bag of human <laughs> waste um to emmett who you know never doubted her for a second who always believes in her who always treated her like a person and not an object it's really it's a glow up in all sense of the yeah, word yeah, yeah. So it's great that we get that romance, but that it's not the main part. Also, can we, like, talk about, um, uh, Take It Like a Man? Oh, my gosh. Just, like, just, just, like, just a quick, it. just a quick sidebar here. Be because, um, I, I, I originally got this idea from, like, an animatic that someone did, mm. but a lot of people in the comments were mentioning the fact that in a lot of ways, it could, that song that's in the musical can be compared to, like, a trans person. Yeah. Like, coming out. Oh, I love that. I don't, I don't know. It may... Yeah. Hearing it with that context makes you really emotional. Yeah, it does. It made me emotional when she told me about it and we were re-watching. If uh, you guys have a chance, highly recommend listening to that song again. Actually, um, can we, like, link that animatic? Oh, absolutely. Because that's where I got the idea from, and I think that person... Yeah, we, we, will, we will have a link to it. Um, also, in the process of setting up social media, so look for things there as well. Um, no. Yeah, it's it's a great. If you guys have a chance to listen to it fully with that in mind, it's it's really beautiful. Um I don't know. Yeah, no, I no, I I think that's wonderful. I, Especially, I had never Well, there was that, that one way. line where she was like, "Now you That's the best part. That's the, the best is new. new. No, the outside, the outside is, new, is new, but the inside um is like still you. It's still you. Wonderful. Now it reflects what was it always inside of you. That's what it is. Oh, so good. Oh, man. And I, I couldn't change that if I wanted to. Yeah. Oh, Ashley. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. Um, oh, we're almost to the time I can't believe I can't believe Emmett is transcoded. <laughs> it's wonderful, though. And it really says something. Hmm. Yeah. 
I don't I don't know if they wrote that song with that in mind, but like my head canon. That's what it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, for sure. Um so we're gonna fast forward a little bit to uh the graduation scene. So we had said earlier, Stromwell is the one who introduces her as the valedictorian of her class. Mm-hmm. Um and she Elle does a throwback to the first quote that um Professor Stromwell had said, where the law is reason free from passion. And she says, you know, no offense to Aristotle, but essentially he's wrong. <laughs> um, you know, you have to have passion in law. And this is really an amazing moment for Elle because this is two years in the future. She's graduating law school. She has job offers. Like, she is her own person. Um, and, you know, we see all of our favorites there supporting her. And then the most important part, the song. The song. We come back to this power anthem of na 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 perfect day. Yes. And it's like at the beginning it was so girly and so ridiculous, but yeah. here we are at the end and it's a power anthem. Yeah. It really is. It's, it, it has become a power it's anthem. It's full circle. Yeah. Bookends. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's a perfect ending. And you know, there was an original, there's another ending I told you Yeah, about and this. I don't like that ending. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of people didn't like it. The, so the ending originally was, um, it fast forwarded a year into the future. Her and Vivian, Vivian, who's now dyed her hair blonde, mm-hmm. um, are, have started a business together, uh, a law firm together. Um, but people didn't like that ending. And I can kind of see why. Was that the ending in the original book? In the original film. No, but like... No, I don't know what the book is. I, I've never read it. I have no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just wondering. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, I don't like that. They, they ended up changing it, and um, I think it works so much better. I, I think it's it really does... It really does tie everything together. We get a good idea of what everyone's future looks Elle's like. Elle's circle is, like, complete. Yeah. Her journey, I mean. Her story. Her story. It's yeah. a circle. It feels complete. It definitely does. And uh, it's great. Um... Do you have any, any parting thoughts? Any last thoughts on, on Legally Blonde? Oh, um, I really like it. You really like it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess my last thought is just that, you know, it's one of those movies that I think will always remain relevant, especially for women. It's very much a chick flick, but um, it's also a film that has a whole lot to say, um, especially in terms of female relationships. Um, there's something really wonderful that happens in this film, especially for the time period, 2001, we weren't seeing a lot of media focusing on women being friends, women having romantic relationships with each other. Like we don't see women coming together. It's why the Bechdel tests, you know, exist is because very, there's very, uh, few opportunities where you see women existing without, you know, a man being at the forefront. Anything else to add? You're yeah, good. Follow me on Sunshine Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so we'll leave you with that. Uh, I'm Shantae. I'm Ash. And we are two hags converge in the woods. <laughs>